anyway. Um, okay, well, that was my take on it, and apparently uh, that, that was interesting. No, to that Dan. works. That works, and it fits with because it's it's a track that has been. I think a lot of fans. I think every super fan knows for sure what it is, and nobody agrees. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, so well, now I've got my take. <laughs> yeah. I can. Well, Pinned to my shirt and say, nope, I'm this guy. Yeah, I mean, and it does fall into, like, which, it's. It, I mean, there are certainly camps of, you know, and, yeah, it's, it's, I'm sorry, I've been wanting to make this joke ever since we got into this, and <laughs> when we get... <laughs> it took you two episodes. No, no, ever since this episode, when we got into uh, how many points of view are in this album... Uh, in the words of Joseph Robinette Bottom, <laughs> Bottom Joseph Robinette Biden, <laughs> oh. at least at least three. Jack, <laughs> there we go. Uh, that's his response to how many genders are there. How many, at least three? That's what he says, which is a <laughs> fine answer. Well, there we go. Uh, um, not bad. But uh, just to be clear, based on what you were saying earlier, like David. And what we listened to, uh, Bowie considered Ziggy to be male. Yeah, yes. Okay. But, uh, but androgynous. Okay. So now I've got questions about Lady Stardust, which is up next. Um, Again, who's singing? Is this the narrator? I think... I think it's a... F- fan who is falling in love with this character and possibly experiencing a homoerotic attraction for the first time. Okay. That fits. Um, I mean, I don't know if this is the place to go into this, but we're here. Um, we'll get yeah. <laughs> I, I I don't think it can be overstated how big of a deal it was that David Bowie stated that he was gay and that he was also married to a woman. Mm-hmm. That really it blew a lot of people's minds because first of all, it was some people's first introduction to the concept of bisexuality. Uh-huh. Um and by the way, the model Iman, right? Uh yes. Well, His he wife, was he was married he, yeah, he was married then to Angela Bowie. Oh, when he is a profoundly okay. fun character in our in our story. Um oh, can't wait. You know what? Since we're doing all of these <laughs> tangents here's, oh, no. here's here's some Angela Bowie. <laughs> My first image of David was enticing. A Polaroid of him, posed naked, shot from the groin up. He was very pretty. This one might that exist on Spotify, so hold on. We're going to do some. Do we want to hear Do you want to hear her slightly drunk or fast? <laughs> <laughs> Let's do slightly drunk. It'll be more fun. Okay, just slightly drunk. And so was the man who had taken it, Dr. Calvin this was, Mark this Lee. Oh, Calvin. Oh, Calvin. <laughs> character. San Francisco Chinese. Very beautiful. Very sensitive. Very clever. 
The doctor stood for a PhD in philosophy and as hip as they come. By the way, I'm not playing this, a- listener. I'm not playing this for the gay chunk. I'm playing this for the anti chunk. So get over it. In our <laughs> man for Mercury Records, but Calvin's real vocation was as a collector. He collected people, and not just any people. He wanted the chic, the exotic, the unconventional, the dedicated leaders of fashion, the androgynous. London in 1966 and 1967 was full of those people. He would easily walk up and take a likely candidate into that soft, sweet snare of his. Ooh, what a wonderful jacket. Where did you get it? Really? You know, there's an exhibit opening next week. I'm sure you'd really love... Sounds sinister. Even fast. Anything does on Calvin had already slept with David Bowie, but he wanted more. He wanted him in a business sense, too. He wanted to sign him to Mercury Records. First, though, he had to convince his boss, Lou Reisner, that a very odd avant-pop commodity like David could sell big tickets. And then he had to outfox David's manager, the ghastly Ken Pitt. Connected with sufficient intimacy to David, I could be useful in both enterprises. There's Angie. David was a rotten boyfriend at first, or at least not the boyfriend I wanted him to be. I was still at the age when a girl assumes her lover is going to be nice to her, even if he isn't faithful. But David was cold. One night I remember when I was all worked up about some slight of his, in my very best theatrical manner, I tumbled tragically down the flight of stairs outside my room at the Nomad Travel Club. He simply stepped over me on his way out and said, Well, when you feel like it, if you're not dead, call me. And naturally I did. I was falling in love, and love is blind. A turning point came in our relationship, though, and it was David who initiated it. He called me one day and said he was dreadfully sick and wanted to be with me, so could I please come down and take care of him? That night we sat on his bed and he started playing me tapes of his music, all of it, all the different versions of the tracks he'd been working on for his first album for Mercury. A sense of amazement came over me. I'd heard some of the songs before, but only in bits and pieces, never with such intensity. Now I listened with wonder to one gem after another. These weren't the usual boy-meets-girl-girl-loses-boy pop songs, but loaded little views into the real drama of life. Amazingly original. He must not have played. This is a joke for all the boy fans out there. He must not have played letter to Hermione. (laughs) And poetic. And their author sitting next to me on the bed wasn't just another pretty pop face. Or for that matter, just another rotten boyfriend. This was a special man. Different and great. One in a million or more. A man with a rare and beautiful gift. A star in this world. A new sense of who David was came flooding into me. He was also behaving in a new way, acting kind and sympathetic towards me. And when we made love, he was delicate and sensitive, a much better lover than the stud I'd known up to then. We became intimate that night, revealing the parts of ourselves we'd Mm -hmm. been keeping hidden and safe. Mm -hmm. David talked about his childhood in the Brixton area of London, about his father, a gentle Yorkshireman who had worked for the last 15 years of his life as public relations man for Dr. Bernardo's, which is a children's home, about his firebrand mother, one of the first women in her town to wear trousers, who had had an illegitimate child, and about that child, Terry Burns, nine years David's senior, and his great hero. David told me how he worshipped Terry and how Terry had been such a big influence on him, introducing him to music, politics, and poetry, and also to a haunting fear. Something had happened to Terry while he was serving in the Royal Air Force in Aden during one of Britain's last colonial wars, and whatever it was, it had disturbed him profoundly. Diagnosed as a paranoid schizophrenic, he was in and out of mental institutions until 1984, when he threw himself under a train. He was buried without his little brother in attendance. Terry was in a mental ward as David revealed himself to me that night, confessing to an awful dread that he might follow his half-brother's path. He had reason to worry, I think, as events were to demonstrate, but that night, we were safe as houses together. We could be trusting and free. For my part, I could bear some truths about myself. I told him about my affair with Lorraine, and I made it plain to David that whatever I'd thought before, I was now no longer mainstream, no longer respectable, no longer interested in maintaining the status quo. Quite the reverse, in fact. I told him I was ready, willing, and eager to stand up and be counted. And indeed... Okay. Uh, okay. So anyway, that's just to introduce Angie into our little story. Uh, in some of the documentaries that I watched, so they really talked about 
and these are people who were who are themselves currently gay icons had talking about how at the time it was like you don't do that you are not you're not you're not a the feeling was you're not allowed to say that you are gay mm. and in doing that um he and in 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 also also in having this image of himself as you know this outsider um he he developed this fan base of people who were like oh thank god i i am safe with you you know i you're you're a weirdo too i can you you're we, you're my weirdo you know um and um I don't remember why I got that. Oh yeah. The lady Stardust got us there. Yes. That's where um, we came from. And we I were think, just talking about rock Hudson or anything. No, <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> um, yeah. I, and I think, I think lady Stardust um, is again, I think lady Stardust is kind of, It's an invitation to the you know the 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 het breeders out there to be like okay I I understand I get that there's some resistance here but this is actually a beautiful creature you've been listening to boys planning <laughs> all right. <laughs> I don't have a lot to say after that. I don't yeah, know. I, I mean, I don't know. I could, I could be dead wrong. And, you know, I apologize if I'm like stepping on anyone's toes out there. I am. I'm, this is um, not entirely a, an experience. I have a, a, a lot of experience with, um, but I do think that it's, it's acknowledging that it's, it's sort of, there's a piece of it that, and I think, I think a lot of this comes from me working with, um, a lot of the people that I have worked with, with who are, you know, a part of that, the community in general, um, where it's like, yeah, er everybody is a little bit something here, you know, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, um, I don't know. That's, that's, the, that's the, besides the narrative, of course, the narrative, this is the introduction. This is the like, ladies and gentlemen, our star character, Ziggy Stardust, as talked about by someone observing him. And I think it gives us that observer's point of view to borrow a line from the song. All right. <laughs> no, Eric, I like it. I Eric, like that a lot. Please say things. I don't know what I, I, will, I, don't, no, I don't know hey, what I just I've, did. <laughs> no, I'm good saying things, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, it, it, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a good song. It's got another beat that just keeps driving it through the song. And um, yeah, it, it's, it, my main question was who is singing about Ziggy? And I, I, I'm kind of down with the idea that like, because the person singing the song is proud about Lady Stardust. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, you're a new fan. Let me tell you. Right. <laughs> I like it. You're in. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Let's talk. And that's right. Like, like it's it's uh, 
Um, and I also wanted to point out that um, the uh, words "all right" meant something a little different back then. Like saying "you're all right" is uh, was a little less lame than it is these days. Oh, that's that's all right. true. It was like, all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> all right. <laughs> well, thank God it's all right. <laughs> no, that's true. That's a very good point. Um, I'm going to deal with this piece of shit. <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, I hate it. <laughs> Just kidding. I mean, we, I don't need to, we, we don't need to do a track by track. I, I actually do like the, the overall, like, bigger picture thing that we're doing. Um, but Star is, if for some people, um, I don't think I include myself. I, I go back and forth on Star. Um, it's, um, for some people, it's it's in that same category as It Ain't Easy, or it's just like, ah, why are we here? Um <laughs> What are your it's, thoughts? it's a pretty standard sort of song, but it yeah. is in it like it feels like on the concept on the concept album realm. It feels like this is how we got together. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Yeah. I really like that. I like that. Um, and I don't know that I completely co-sign on it, but I, I, I like it as an idea because it's almost like narratively. If, if this is a movie, it's like, okay. Lady Stardust, this is like an outside observer of Ziggy Stardust doing his Ziggy Stardust thing. And aren't we all proud of this? Ziggy mm-hmm. Lady Stardust, Ziggy Stardust, it's our hero. We're it's a community, we're all in this. And then it's like it's almost like uh it's almost like uh, in a movie where it's just like 1964 <laughs> or something you know uh, yeah yeah <laughs> it like ziggy it, it, it seems like if this is ziggy singing the song it feels like he's saying he's he was kind of naive he got into it for for the rock and now he's like oh wow we got we got really big um yeah, yeah. and i think i i think you're right I, I and i think um the only i think the 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 biggest problem I have with just absolutely saying like, yes, that's what it is. It's just, I just, I've just listened to this stuff for so long. that It's just like, it's just <laughs> there, you know? Um, and I, but it does make a lot of sense for, at the very least, it makes a lot of sense for Ziggy Stardust to be singing this. Cause who else would be right. Um, and I, I love that thing at the end where he's like, just watch me now. <laughs> um, so let's see. Hang on to yourself, Eric, because we're going to yeah. take a break. For, no, um, hang on to yourself. The song. You see, uh, honestly, we're getting into a place where um, basically from hang on to yourself all the way up to but not including rock and roll suicide. For me as a fan, it's like, all right, here are the songs that everyone knows. And yeah, <laughs> you know. So, it, and this feels like the band is just going. And I to think me. that I think that is possibly what it is. And I think that Ziggy Stardust, the track, could possibly be that narrative voice coming back in because it's almost like because it it sounds like someone remembering this character and, uh. Like it talks about the tragic ending of Ziggy, which we never get into the details of. It's super mm-hmm, vague. Mm-hmm. It's just like, hey, yeah, it's it's the legend. 
for yes. sure. Yes. Um, did, did the spiders from Mars resent Ziggy being the star? It sounds like in the song, like they were a band, the spiders from Mars and uh-huh. then Ziggy rose to prominence. And now it's Ziggy Stardust and these spiders from Mars. That's it. So it's. Uh, and did it, did it have anything to do with his God given ass? Well, I mean, we, <laughs> we have seen his God given ass many times in his area he, as well. He's well hung. He has <laughs> a snow white tan. Yeah. Right. I mean, <laughs> it, I, I, I don't know how much. So the relationship with Bowie <laughs> and his band is very similar to <laughs> what you just kind of talked about. He um, Right, right. But I mean, yeah, they were hired musicians and um, he definitely treated them like that. But in the studio, he treated them like collaborators. Because that's how he worked, like in general. Um, but yeah, they were basically hired hands that he had a lot of respect for. Um, but he fired them on stage. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Uh, I mean, not like <laughs> you, you're fired, but um, in character, he stated the last and the last, um, the the last performance on the Ziggy Stardust tour. Um, and they had basically recorded an entire other album of music that he in, intended to put out there. Um, in fact, I think it might've already been out. I don't remember, but he says before singing rock and roll suicide as the closer, he says, uh, you know, I'm, I'm paraphrasing here. Um, you know, thank you everyone. This has been a very important tour for us. And this next song is especially important because not only is it the last song on the tour, but it's the last song we will ever do. And his band <laughs> did not know that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so it's uh, just an idea that occurred in his head. And he's like, all right, we're done. Well, okay. Again, it was it was him, I think, in character, in character, kind of expressing David Bowie's actual feeling of being done with this character and wanting mm-hmm. to go in a different direction. Um, I'm just I'm just going to talk about Bowie lore unless you have any other thoughts about these three tracks, because uh, let's see. Um Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. Was not uh, originated by David Bowie, as far as I know. Oh yeah, I know. I'm sad about that. Um, I do love Suffragette City. It's a great song. It's a it is a very good song. Um, uh, Rock and Roll Suicide is a great ending to the album because it sounds like it sounds like this is the acoustic ending. We're done with this thing. Yeah, okay, we're we're all over it. Yeah. It, it, I mean, it does come back in with the chunky horn sort of stuff that like the Beatles did on like Savoy Truffle um, on the White Album, which I love. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, I blocked out those words that you just said. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, uh, but yeah, he like Bowie really like his voice is breaking. Like he's really giving mm, it at the mm-hmm, end of the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have a very a very Beatles sort of ending to the song. I don't know. I, I, I know those are words that I've heard them before, but never in those succession. 
um or not succession rather uh yeah sure okay yeah fine but But for a concept album it sounds like this concept is over yeah it is definitely it's the end yeah uh rock and roll suicide um yeah oh god i mean talk about first of all suffragette city Uh uh-huh if you are at karaoke and you're like, hey, I like David Bowie. I like Suffragette City. Surely this is a song that will work in a karaoke setting. It's not. It is um, difficult. <laughs> I played. Okay. So going going nerdy on this, uh, my connection to David Bowie comes a lot from Moon Age Daydream and Suffragette City on Rock Band. Hell yeah. Yeah, we played these tracks a lot because they were fun to play. Uh-huh. And then when we would, when we got brave and started putting a microphone in front of our faces and turning the the, you know, the, having the vocal track involved, like it was hard. Oh, it's hard to play and sing these songs. It's very hard. And on this one, the hardest part is figuring out who does the hey man and or do you do you sing it or do you ignore it like how did there's a lot there's a lot to think oh about yeah when yeah. when doing this one well on on rock band it was all of it just yeah just all of the voice do all of them <laughs> um rock and roll suicide however if you really want to confuse and or frustrate a karaoke audience <laughs> this is the one for you I want to learn this on guitar. I, I actually wrote that down. I'm like, I want to, I want to learn these opening chords and play the whole song. Like it, it's, I, I like it. It's, it's, it's a, it's a really good song. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just, I mean, but it does get hard at the end too. Oh yeah. But, he's so into it. Well, and this is where you really, you're like, okay, this, this is really a performer here. He's really, mm-hmm. he's putting in a, a performance um i mean i don't know there's there's as a fan as and just beyond the music of it as a fan this is um this is one of those tracks where you get the feeling that he understands who his fan base is and what he means to them. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's I not mean, being glib not. about the oh, no. end of Zig- Ziggy Stardust. No, no, no. This is a serious thing. Like, okay, we're done with this character. We're going to do some great things, but yeah, yeah, I appreciate what you've given me. Yes. And I think that he, he understood under, he, I think he understood um, even I think it became apparent pretty early on that uh, he is having an impact on people and, you know, some of them are just rock fans. Some of them are just people who like theatricality, some of them, but some of them are people who have never really had a public figure to feel that they related to, you know, yeah, that's, for whatever that's reason. huge in, in the early seventies. Holy cow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's absolutely ginormous. Um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know how much more needs to be said there. Um, we'll probably say similar things in other episodes. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And for those of you who caught on that I was fighting back tears, 
wait till the black star album it's gonna be a sob fest um (laughs) uh I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, you really don't know what it is? No, I've not listened to Black Star. Oh, it's the last album that he put out, and he knew. Oh, that he, okay. No, he knew that, see, yeah, and he knew that this he was why dying. Your bony splinting to me, right? See, there you go. That's that's uh, why we call it what we call it. Um, and apparently uh, Morrissey kind of covered ish it. Let's see. Oh. Uh, Morrissey. Uh, oh, Morrissey. Well, you know what? Sidebar Morrissey interview. These are always good. <laughs> Let's see. We're going to play a fun game. It's called Will Morrissey Say Something Horrible? Good day, New York. Will he say something terrible? What do you think, Eric? I, I don't know enough about Morrissey. Other oh. than a vague connection to oh. the Smiths. Oh, well, I, I'm then, aware of Morrissey and the Smiths. I, case, I just don't do know enough to, about Morrissey. Do we need we, to more do we need to more explain? <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Recording oh, artists. No. Oh no, uh, diversity's conformity. Is Morrissey's behavior unforgivable? Let's see. Really messed up truth about Morrissey. I mean, you're kind of getting where we're going with this. I'm just right? looking at the titles. Yes. Yeah. He said some things. Um, how soon is now? Let's see. 10 worst. Oh, here we go. 10 worst things Morrissey has said and done. Oh, uh, good. Set. So everybody this else is, should this be is Watch too. Mojo. Welcome to WatchMojo.com. There and it today is. we're counting down the top ten worst things that Morrissey has said and done. When will you die? <laughs> Before we begin, we publish new videos every day, so be uh, sure to Spotify, subscribe for more great content. Watch Mojo. For this list, we're us. looking at the most shocking and controversial things ever said and done by the famously glum singer, songwriter, and former member of '80s alternative band The Smiths. Fans already know that Morrissey, known as Moz or Mazer for short, has lots of strong opinions. Okay. Everything from meat mm-hmm. to Thatcher, he says that you should the put royal family, and much, much more. It. So we're limiting our list to no more than one entry per general topic. Number ten said Jamie Oliver should serve up his children. <laughs> The Pope of Mope has never liked celebrity <laughs> chef Jamie Oliver. Oliver's zeal for cooking includes Let's meat and fish bacon. Oh, no. public- the shirt paired the Smiths' lyric, I wear black on the outside because black is how I feel on the inside, oh. from the song Unlovable, with an image of 20th century African-American literary giant James Baldwin, mm-hmm. who wrote searingly about his ethnic and cultural identity. The resulting design conflated Baldwin and the song lyrics, which uh, clearly embody two different types of blackness. Into yeah, a- that's very... Yeah. Let Let's opined on Brexit. Here we go. Morrissey is a staunch supporter of the UK's 2016 move to exit the EU, saying, say. quote, The result of the Brexit vote was magnificent. Right. Hated on reggae music. In oh. 94, Morrissey went on record, not musically, to say he despised reggae music. Fair enough, not everybody enjoys every genre of music. The real problem here is the reason he gave for disliking reggae. Uh-huh. He called it, quote, the most racist music in the entire world, end quote. <laughs> Because, to quote the man directly, it's, quote, an absolute total glorification of black supremacy mm. of the day, including Whitney Houston and Janet Jackson as file. It sounds like Moz had more of a problem with yeah, black okay. trusted uh-huh. foreigners and immigrants. Okay. Moz doesn't always have kind words for his fellow Brits either. As blustering jingoism, 
and compared the UK's pride in itself to that of Nazi Germany in 1939. Okay. Gay isn't the only genre of music Morrissey has complained about. In a oh, they're still going on. For details I thought magazine, I just couldn't find the he went on record go. saying well, that scanning, rave scanning, music scanning, was, scanning. Quote, Here we go, number four. From a human being. <laughs> Nobody's that hungry. They're not really that hungry. That you need that hungry. Okay. <laughs> number four. Hope to meet. A more context. Nobody's that hungry. They're not really that hungry that you need to take a life. It's not on Larry King. Oh God, me. what would what would I give to see Morrissey and Piers Morgan do an interview right now? They're so great. Those who eat it. In fact, he often insists that venues where he performs go vegetarian uh, for whatever night he'll be on stage. Though the venues don't always comply. However, his reaction to the presence of meat at Coachella in 2009. Yeah, here we go. Number two was straight up racist. You don't say. It may be predicated on his anger over China's treatment or mistreatment of animals, but Ma's 2010 statement to the Guardian regarding Chinese citizens is just plain horrible. Discussing the Chinese government's lax animal cruelty regulations, he remarked, "Quote: You can't help but feel that the Chinese are a subspecies." End quote. Mm. This takes a nation of well more than a billion human beings and frames <laughs> them as something other than fully human. It's a Let's just reduce them all. Racism, mm -hmm. and it's all because he dislikes the way their government handles one specific Comes number one. Number one. Defended Harvey Weinstein and Kevin Spacey. <laughs> People are standing behind these two Hollywood fixtures. Oh, that's unique. <laughs> terrible sexual misconduct. But Moss has decided their cause is his latest hill to die on. He recently defended both men in multiple interviews, even in light of the evidence against them. What's worse is the way he did it. Uh, yeah. By acknowledging okay. that the accusations might well oh, no. blaming the victims for overreacting or not anticipating what would happen. Overreacting. again. Do you yep. agree with our picks? Check out these other great clips. Shut up. Watch, 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 watch Mojo, whatever it is. Ah, stutter. Watch um, Mojo also said Coachella as the festival. So, yeah. Unforgivable. I think they're, they're fine. <laughs> um, supposedly, uh, some aspect of rock and roll suicide was quoted or referenced on I know it's going to happen someday. I think Asher has that somewhere in his collection. And it is also the same guitarist. So that's oh. fun. Yeah. Get to the fucking. There we go. <laughs> Yeah, this is kind of a little... I'm planting a seed. Don't worry, listener. I know what I'm doing. Shut up. I have a feeling that Dan knows more about Morrissey than he's letting on right now. Actually, Basically, because I've known Dan and some of his friends for several years. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Morrissey is my best friend. And... <laughs> I don't hear it. But supposedly, there's a quote, a musical quote somewhere in there. Maybe when the guitar plays. Oh, bum, 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 bum. Okay. Yeah, it was with the horns. Yes. On yes, I finally suicide. heard it. Okay. I legitimately never made it this far into this oh, track. Okay. 
Well, good, good accidental clicking. But yeah, it, it, one time it was with the horns, and the other time it was with the. Uh, it, it was on the bass, and yeah, okay, yeah, okay, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, anyway, oh. or is it? I hope it is. Um, <laughs> here comes a surprise. Two hours more. <laughs> Eric, any final thoughts? Anything that we need to get into that we didn't get into? Any? Um, on the album in general, I yeah. thank you so much for the context because listening to it multiple times today, I kept kept feeling like there was more going on that I didn't understand because I really only kind of vaguely knew about the character of Ziggy Stardust. Uh-huh. So, uh, thank you for providing me with that. It's You're it's a Great album. There are some great songs that ha- that stand out as uh, you know great songs to this day. Obviously, we're still listening to all of this stuff to this day, so you know whatever. But um, hmm, yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, watch us on the the TikToks. <laughs> <laughs> so the next album will be um, oh, since we're here. Um, there's a series of interviews that he did with Russell Hardy, who was an interviewer at some point. Um, He's in character. He's in character. And you can tell that he knows he's frustrating the interviewer and he's enjoying it. (laughs) And it's really fun. Um, He's also judging by the outfit and the eyebrows and everything. He's way he's 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 on the coke train at this point. But Russell Hardy. I asked him on the show what did David Bowie think about David Bowie. Um, well, all right. I find that I'm a, a person who um, can um, take on the guises of, of different people that I meet. I can switch accents in, in seconds of meeting somebody and I can adopt their accent. He's visibly I've always found that I collect. <laughs> I'm a collector. Um, and I've always just seemed to collect personalities, um, ideas. I have a hodgepodge philosophy which really is very minimal. Um, very Do you little believe in God? Man, what? Do you believe in God? Um, I... Eric, as a pharmacist, how much cocaine do you think he's on? <laughs> uh, I'm... I don't know that much about cocaine. Okay. Uh, but <laughs> the answer would be yes. <laughs> Energy form, but I'm not, I wouldn't, uh, put a, I wouldn't like to put a name to it. Do you indulge in any form of worship? Um, uh, life. <laughs> I love life very much indeed. You split people down the middle, don't you, a lot? I, that is to say that people are, are hostile to you or they're, indi- or they're totally indifferent. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. That. Um, what kind of what kind of reaction do you get from the people who are are violently in favour of you? I mean, do you get fan mail? Yes, a lot. What um, is it? Scandalous, very nice, or interesting, or exciting? It's very sexy. <laughs> in what way? Um, well, I feel like uh, I'm watching I seem to draw a lot of bandages out of people. A lot of fan mail I get. A lot of it is awfully nice. I mean, they they say. Um, How's your baby and how's your wife and what's your mum's name and things like that. And look, but some of them are worth framing. Can you tell us about one or two of the framed ones? No, I couldn't really. No, they really are quite heavy. <laughs> <laughs> heavy duty letters they are. Heavy duty. Heavy duty. Uh, du- sorry, duty. Sorry, I drop me tea sometimes. <laughs> we just need more uh, 
moralizing to make him into Piers Morgan. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Do you really think it's wise to talk about these things that you got the mail? Don't you think you should pronounce <laughs> your T's better? <laughs> Aren't you ashamed of what you just did? Uh, so for context about uh, Space Oddity, um, we're looking at his second album, the first one. Is I that mean, what we're doing next? That's what we're doing next. Here, you we didn't can, uh, you didn't complete your sentence earlier, so uh, yeah, that's that okay. happens a lot. Okay, uh, David Bowie, Derham. Okay, um, just so people can not say that we didn't go through this. Oh, I don't know what this is. What is the Derham this, anthology? This is this is the shit that he did before. Uh, Space Oddity, the album. Uh, operative word being shit. Here's Rubber Band. Tell me what you've heard enough. Oh, there's some, some hot trombone action <laughs> happening. Some hot bones. <laughs> Alright, there we go. Rubber, that's, that's that. <laughs> this one's actually not terrible. Uh, it's the London Boys, and I'm talking over it so that the Spotify thing doesn't bite us in the ass. We got Laughing Gnome, we saw that yeah, one. we listened to that one. Yeah, got enough of that. Gospel according to Tony Day. Who's Tony? Uh, Tony is a guy who used to do karaoke at the Brunswick uh, Lanes in Upland, California. Uh, he also worked in a box making factory. Ooh, boxes. Um, Very yes, important. he made boxes and he uh, really enjoyed listening to people sing so much so that he would record them. Uh, and he had little he, the music that he listened to on road trips would be the CDs that he made of people singing karaoke at the bowling alley. That is one hundred percent true story. I was going to say I can't not, tell if you're telling the truth or not. But that is not who Tony Day is. That is Tony the karaoke guy. Oh, okay. I used to. No, that's uh, yeah. Okay, so then there's Different more Tony. of this. Different Tony. Uncle Arthur. I don't know. I don't know about you, but I have a. If I have, when I hear this much clapping at the beginning of an out of a song, I'm out. I mean, you're kind of getting a. I'm guessing you're getting a. It's, feel it's for, generic '60s song. Yeah. And shit. Yeah. We this, we put you in front of a microphone, and there is also a band. Right. There is definitely sheet music involved. Um. Not that that's a bad thing. I think the Western tradition of uh, classical music is uh, superior to all other all other forms of uh, music notation. Okay, anyway, um, let me till Tuesday. Yeah, whatever. Okay, uh, lots of uh, yeah, lots of lots of band. Oh yeah, instruments here. Yeah. So. This is kind of the other answer to why are we not doing this in chronological order? Because if we were to do it in chronological order, we'd listen to this shit first. And then Eric, I think a lot of the, a lot of the episode would be Eric going like, you like this guy? <laughs> Ooh. No, it would be me going, Ooh, nice glockenspiel work. Oh, 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 oh. yes, please more. <laughs> 
but this is hitting that same place this, where like this is get... like having a singer sing along with my marching band yeah. <laughs> but this is sort of like that same place where it's like oh we're covering a restaurant on the supreme resort i get to look up old menus <laughs> <laughs> oh, also something i enjoy <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean it's, you're it's, drunk. It, you're it's saying in, this is like it's a bad thing. Yeah, no, I mean it's enjoyable, but in the same way of as like looking at old, like pictures of themed apartment buildings. You know, like. <laughs> hey, let's go to come and buy my toys. <laughs> I'm gonna go through each one so that people can say that people can just shut the fuck up about this. There we go. Sure, sure. Just keep going. Just keep going. This way, we will have officially covered every track. There we go. Yep. Yep. He said the thing. Not a bad groove on this one. I like it. Nope. Never mind. (laughs) Well, we've got a sitar going banjo style. (laughs) Never heard that before. Uh, Let's see. No wonder you hate the Beatles. <laughs> it's all this shit. It's, a, it's <laughs> all the, the goofiest Paul music. Yeah, that, oh, you're you're absolutely right. This is nothing but Paul music. <laughs> nothing but Paul. Oh, I've got music. a great song about the made of bombs This is the Boodly Boo album for fans of Dan hates the Beatles. <laughs> Uh, yep. Yeah. Here's please, Mr. Gravedigger. Oh, yeah. It's atmospheric. Oh, very, very dark. If I remember correctly, three maids of Bond Street uh, passed out hearing this track. <laughs> this is, I think, it's kind of acted out. Let me. Oh yeah, it's a full on. This little yard, there's a little old man with a little shovel in his little bitty hand. I'm picturing the Spotify algorithm scanning through this part of it and just going like, "Yeah, Yeah. it's fine." fine. (laughs) (laughs) No one will complain about this track. They could play it without speaking over it. It's deserved. Please, Mr. Gravedigger, I couldn't care if you found a golden bucket through some girl's hair. So, song. I'm going to have okay. to listen to this stuff at some point. <laughs> we Do it on your own time. Okay. <laughs> oh, no. We've Okay, so... That's an hour and 16 minutes long. Yeah. 27 songs. I mean, this isn't his first album, but it is... I know, it's I know. everything that... Yeah. So there you go, uh, David Bowie, super fans and purists. Shut up, we did it. <laughs> we, covered, we covered his early. We could, not only did we cover the first, the official first album, we covered the entirety of the Terror Anthology. Oh wow! So there. Um, here's for so for context, we're dealing with that, um, and he meets up with a producer. Uh, one Mr. Tony Visconti, who will become a very important person in our journey. Um, I mean that in a real way, not in the Angie Bowie way, where it's like she's kind of funny to go to every once in a while. Um, 
And he has this is an interview with him where he kind of talks about meeting Bowie and recording Space Oddity, the song, but also the album. Which, by the way, um, this might be too late in the episode to mention this, but I discovered a little something, which is that there are new remasters of uh, some of these albums that have mixes that I have not heard before. Um, and boy, howdy, is that interesting boy, to howdy. add to our conversation? And here's Tony Visconti. David was always a fine musician, not not trained at all. His machine was the twelve string. That was his rhythm box. He could play like a, with the feel of a drummer, and he could play in front of a group of people, never make a mistake, be solid from beginning to the end of a song. And that's why my plan for the album was just the twelve string with band embellishment. I stuck to that because the brief I got from his publisher was he is all over the place. We need him to be channeled. We want him to sing in one style so he can get a fan base and all. You know, I did it for all the right reasons. And uh, so you'll find that virtually every song on the album is um, acoustic guitar bass, and he's playing on every track, even. The Wild Eye Boy from Free Cloud, where I had him sat down in the middle of a 50-piece orchestra, and there was no click track. David was the click track, but he uh, obediently didn't sing, so it would have been hard if he sang with the violins in the room and all that. His voice would get all over the microphones. So he just—he was just the rhythm player. He played like the part of a session drummer, you know, on that particular recording. David and I agreed. We worked on this for a few weeks. The the, the concept of it of it and I said there's going to be everything woodwind bassoons and all that you're going to sit in the middle you're going to be the the rhythm keeper and all that Wild Eyed Boy from Free Cloud is my favorite track on the album it's got the most production value we have 50 pieces uh, of orchestra on it it's an arrangement that took me five days to write and David's vocal was brilliant on it I thought this was um, one of the best songs David had ever written and um, it merited this treatment, but it wasn't as bright as I could have made it. I love to, you know, it's nice to put some high-end frequencies on classical instruments because you get this lovely air around the orchestra. So over the years, we've been listening to a duller version of Wild Eye Boy from Free Cloud. When I was asked to remix it for the 50th anniversary, I said, okay, here comes the hiss again. What are we going to do with the hiss? And there was a person at my studio, a technician, who took every track, say the oboe and bassoon, they were on one track, and he carefully removed the hiss from that track. Then he proceeded to do it on the first violin track, the French horn track and all that. And when I played this back, I had all the 16 tracks up. It was pristine. The quality was beautiful. But this mix of Wild Eye Boy from Free Cloud is the one that I always wanted to do. It's just beautiful, and you've got David front and center singing proudly. You hear things that you never heard before on this on this recording. So that's a little preview of what's going mm-hmm. on there. Um, my sort of take on Space Oddity, uh, if you care to hear it, and, and this is that's um, this isn't me trying to tell you you know how to experience it or anything but okay okay um tell the listener how to experience it yes. <laughs> yeah yeah yes. um 
it is maybe the most it's a good beginning but it is also if i needed to and if i wanted to i could make an argument for skipping it however oh yeah cuz a lot of what a lot of what we get from this we get from hunky dory but hunky dory does enough different things to it that it warrants having both here um it's sort of like when i tell people um and i can hear the bowie fans just screaming right now um <laughs> when when i uh when people have told me oh i'm gonna watch uh twin peaks or something i will tell them and I, I love Twin Peaks, like dearly. Mm-hmm. Um, I will tell them, okay, well, you should start with the first, the first episode or the pilot, rather. However, yeah, <laughs> if it's boring to you, you can skip it, and you'll be okay. It'll, you know, it'll you'll, you'll still get what you need eventually. Yeah, that is fair. Yeah, um, I think that this album is in that category of. If it if it connects with you, then great. There's stuff to connect to. Wonderful. It's it is it is in many ways a really good album. Um, and I kind of purposely played the uh, thing about him being a terrible boyfriend because um, there's a there's a song in there called "Letter to Hermione" um, that is an interesting song. Because he, uh, <laughs> we'll get into more about that relationship okay. in that episode. Um, but yeah, uh, I think you're in for. I, I, I think that it'll be. It is possibly, th- aside from the ones that are aggressively different later on, it is the most different of his albums. Um, and th- so the, the reason I went to that background is. So you have this unfocused kind of folksy singer songwriter. I just want to be known kind of guy. And he meets a producer who's able to go like, no, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, gonna... yeah, I like that, that bit of uh, the studio saying, yeah, he kind of doesn't know what he, what, what he wants to do. So just yeah. tell him what to do. Well, at this point in his career, that is very true. And he, manages to work with people and haven't he he was very good at at taking the influences they needed to take from people um and this is i think the first iteration of that where you know tony kind of gets in there and he says hey would you like to sing at my bowling alley karaoke sorry other tony um visconti is like okay dude i get where you're going but you don't get where you're going. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's collaboration, but I'm going to keep you focused here. Um, and so that's, it's a, it's, I don't I was about to say it's a fun album, but that's not entirely true. Apparently I'll be the judge. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for taking me on this journey. Um, uh-huh. I'm looking forward to more of this. Yeah. I'm even looking forward to the parts that I already know you can't stand. I suspect you, you're I suspect you're looking forward to those parts the most. You you and <laughs> perhaps uh you and uh, and 
another person have already shown me some of the things that you hate the most and <laughs> let's go. Uh, yeah. If you're looking to engage with us, please. Um, at this time, we, we haven't launched an episode yet, uh, but we, we do have teenage We're not sure exactly what we're going to do with that versus the old, the old.com. Um, I, I, I'm probably going to do an, Instagram or okay, yeah. thing or YouTube. Yeah, I mean, yeah, we might. Uh, I mean, depending on the level of engagement, we might figure out a way for uh, David Bowie to answer your emails. There we go. Yeah, we'll have a Discord <laughs> chat where David Bowie will definitely be there. Sailor with an eyes coming back. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think Discord is probably a good way. To, we're for figuring this out. Uh, give us a couple episodes and we'll figure We'll know how to start an episode and how to end an episode. But until then we're doing this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Hey, I bet we, I bet we'll have a Patreon by the time this comes out. You oh, can, hell yeah. You can be on our, our, our tier, our $17 <laughs> tier to get access to more Bowie splitting content. We could do tiers based on like, his his management or his producers or his like Visconti tier would be like really high. Ooh, <laughs> or, what's the what's the three dollar tier? <laughs> Dan knows that's why I'm asking. <laughs> Nile Rogers. <laughs> I can't wait to find out what that means. Oh, oh. Or wait a minute, hold on. Let's find. I, I don't need to share the screen for this one. Let's see. Okay. It, and and in fact, it's better that I don't because this is. It's better for I'd this. Have, to I'd be have to a, see more of your, your yeah, suggested. <laughs> no, I think it's better for this one to be a surprise about how awful it is. Okay. Uh, um, oh my. Let's see. Okay. Um, if the fans can't tell, I, I do enjoy doing this. <laughs> stupid shit. <laughs> uh, it would be the. Ooh, there are so many producers on that album. That's oh, fine. my. That, that's not a good thing. Uh, it would be the Hugh Pagdom. <laughs> Hugh Pad, Padum. Okay, going to go with the other producer because I don't know how to say that word. Yeah, you got to be able to pronounce it. It would be the Derek Bramble tier. <laughs> Derek Bramble. That's a good tier. What do you get on the Derek Bramble tier, Dan? <laughs> Shit in an envelope. <laughs> There you go. With a picture of Iggy Pop on, on the Iggy outside. Iggy Pop. <laughs> we'll, we'll rip you. We'll send you a pirated copy of one of Iggy Pop's albums. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, you're not far off. <laughs> I'll just say, uh, if you enjoy Iggy Pop and reggae, you're, you're going to love that album. When oh, I, get to it. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> that's the end of the episode. Goodbye.